I am not my business. I am allowed to change. Giving myself that permission to change was huge. Welcome to The Cosmic Calling, a podcast for spiritual entrepreneurs and creative souls on a mission to align their life and career with the cosmos. I'm Natalie Wallstein, career astrologer at Soulshine Astrology, and I hope you're ready to unlock your cosmic calling. Hey, everybody. It is a true pleasure to welcome my guest this week on the show, Cassie Ewell. Today, Cassie is an author, energy healer, death worker, an intuitive mentor, passionate about helping folks feel spiritually grounded and resourced in all seasons of life. However, Cassie was actually our first interview on the show all the way back on episode three, which happened five years ago. And as you can imagine, her business and life was completely different back then. So today we are getting the exciting opportunity to catch up on how Cassie's calling has completely evolved and along with that, her experiences on letting go when it's time to allow old parts of yourself or your career or your calling to die. Welcome, Cassie. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Natalie. I am so excited to be back. Since I last had you on the show, you closed your crystal jewelry shop in Tempe, Arizona. You let go of your team. We talked about your team in that episode and you've had two kids. You moved across the country back to your hometown, written and published seven books. So many, many different things have changed. I mean, I'm sure there's even more than that, but I would love to start by talking about how that whole transformation has unraveled. I know it's a lot, but maybe you can get us up to speed. Yeah. You know, I was reminiscing a little bit and thinking about some of those sort of tipping points for me and a big one. And I know it was for a lot of people was in 2020. And I think a lot of us, myself included, were really faced with an opportunity to be very honest with ourselves. And I was, so I, I, I used that time to be really honest with myself. I was really honest with myself throughout the year about what was working, what wasn't working, um, places where I had possibly been causing harm. And one of those areas was around cultural appropriation in my business and in my work that I had been doing up until that point. And it was really like a veil was lifted during that year in 2020 of just sort of becoming a little bit more tuned in and aware of ways that I was not only causing harm to others in the ways that I was, um, you know, and I wasn't, I want to also say like, I wasn't like really overtly culturally appropriating, but it was still causing harm. And it wasn't just harm to others, it was harm to myself. And that was like a huge revelation for me was like, in my extraction from other cultures and spiritual practices, I had been cutting myself off from my own traditions and ancestry 
and magical practices of the people that I come from. And with that came so much grief and sadness. Um, And that was really the tipping point. And it wasn't like these were things that were new to me. Like I knew that my ancestors had practices and I practiced some of them, but it was, it was a tipping point and that I was like, okay, I'm ready to really like be done with things that are causing harm to others, things that are causing harm to me, even if it's painful. And I'm ready to fully step into this new phase of unearthing and discovering what a magical spiritual practice might look for me if it wasn't dictated by, you know, this new age, the new age community, the spiritual community, sort of as it manifested in a more modern, white, um, new age kind of way. And not to say that there aren't parts of that that are important and true. But for me, I really needed to get back to my roots. And I also needed to, you know, make repair for harms that I had caused and do things in a different way. Um, so that 2020 sort of un- unveiling for me was was a tipping point of when I was just like, okay, things have to change. And it just kind of spiraled from there. And it's been a difficult journey. And it's been um, a scary journey, but it's also been incredibly liberating and healing and soul fulfilling. So I'm really grateful for it. And it's fun to just sort of look back on it and see how far I've come from that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do feel like the world today in our quest for spirituality, it's kind of gotten packaged up into this is what it Mm -hmm. is. And it's beautiful and wonderful that more people are opening up to it. But I love your realization that you have it within you and within your own ancestral lineage to dive into. And you are probably going to have to dig a little bit deeper than just, you know, go going past the surface level definition of spirituality and the tools and practices that are used there. And it only brings more richness, not only to you, but you can share that too. And people can learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in that digging and excavating, like I said, there are, I think anytime we dig deep into things that we're passionate about, things that we care about, there's going to be, there's going to be discomfort in that because the deeper you dig, there's just, there's just a lot of layers. And that's sort of what, you know, I went through several years of just sort of sifting through those layers and being like, oh, what's this here? What's this here? Yeah and integrating that. And yeah, a lot of it has just been so much about reclaiming a practice that's uniquely my own in a way that feels like it's in integrity. Mm -hmm. And you had a lot riding on that. You had people working for you. You had a community of people who loved buying your work and going to your shop and supporting your brand. So like, how was that experience for you? Like internally, you may have made that decision, but then to bring this like idea and feeling out into the world, how was that for you? It was really painful at first to admit that I had done things that were wrong. And also a big part of it for me was my identity was so tied up in zend out my old business. My identity was so tied up in, I am the 
I'm the boss. I built this business. It's, you know, made this much money and we're growing and we're growing. And I didn't want that to be my identity, but it was, it was painful to sort of separate myself from it too, because it had become so much of my identity. So it was really painful. It's funny because I see people sometimes announce changes in their business and I'm like, people sometimes make it look so easy and I'm sure maybe I did too. But on the other side, like it was so hard. It was so like every decision I made was just like, it was just brought up a lot of emotions. But I think that was one of the hardest things was just realizing like, I am not my business. I am allowed to change. Giving myself that permission to change was huge. And realizing like, I don't have to run a business that is constantly successful. I can say, no, I'm done with this now. We had our fun. I learned a lot. And I learned that I don't like these parts of it. And I'm ready to put it down and change. And that's okay. And I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah, So the permission piece of it was also big for me. Mm -hmm. And with permission, I feel like a lot of that is wrapped up in like, you feel safe in what you've done before. Mm -hmm. So part of it is like, I am safe to change. Yeah. Even if like logically, financially, I don't see how it's working out. If you have that calling within you, you're going to be held through that transition. Yeah. And so much of that was just little pieces of like having that intuitive knowing that like I needed to make changes and that I was going to be okay, even though it was terrifying because you're right. Like I made a lot of, I had a lot of financial losses. I'm still experiencing financial changes because of the decisions that I made, but I have so much faith and trust in the path that I'm on that I worry so much less about finances than what I did when I was making much more money because I'm operating in a different way. I used to be operating in this mentality that I had to be constantly growing. The business had to be growing. And I've come to a place where I'm like, no, no, no. I go through cycles. I go through phases. And not every cycle is about accumulating financial wealth. And in fact, I don't want to be in a cycle where I'm perpetually just making, gaining financial wealth. That is not satisfying to me or my soul. It doesn't make me happy. Um, So letting go of that and just being like, oh, I can just like sit back and just like enjoy life and trust that my financial needs will be met for myself and my family as long as I'm living in integrity and following my intuitive path. Oh, yes, sign me up for that. I will take the cycles of grief, of sadness, of joy, of excitement. Like I will take the cycles in exchange for like just riding the waves and trusting versus feeling like I'm supposed to be in this perpetual state of constantly growing. Yeah. It's like opening up to a different form of abundance and redefining where it comes from and what it means for your definition and not like the societal definition of it. Yeah. And that is a conversation I had to have with myself a lot in the beginning because I felt like, especially with like, I call it the girl boss mentality, which is what I lived in for a long time, you know, dropping, like slowly 
extract peeling away the girl boss mentality for myself, I would have to remind myself in the beginning, be like, Cassie, what do you want? I want more time with my family. I want more time to be in my spiritual practice. I want to serve in ways that are meaningful. Okay. Are you doing that? Yes. I have abundance of time. So now I can do those things. I don't need, I don't need the abundance of money to do these things. I need my needs met and I have that. And now I have more time to do the things that are truly important to me. And that is, and that's, I just, that's been sort of um, a regular affirmation of mine is that like, I'm, I am abundant in time. I am abundant in love. I am abundant in fulfillment and meaning and honesty, things that are so much more important to me than dollars in the bank account. Mm-hmm. I love that. I feel like the girl boss mentality, it was empowering at one stage. hmm like it was empowering until it's disempowering. Yeah. And it's like we moved forward. Like even that is evolving. Everything evolves. Yeah. In the world and in us. Absolutely. And thank goddess it does. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I'm here for the transformations. <laughs> yeah. And that brings me to what you're doing now. And, and you've gotten inspired by this idea of death and grief. And that's actually something that you help with in your work now. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and it was a big part of my transformation, I would say too, because I had a lot, I keep trying to remember like the timelines of when we talked and, but somewhere in the last like seven years, I had a lot of loss, a lot of people I love die. And I had a lot of intense spiritual experiences around their deaths that, again, sort of lifted a veil for me of like, this is where you're supposed to be spending your time. And I was shown just through losing people that I love that I was like, oh, I can be very rooted and very grounded in this environment where people are transitioning out of life. And that is not something that everybody has. And I need to be utilizing that. Um, so that was a another big push for me, just seeing like, oh, this is important. I can do this work. This is the work that I need to be moving into. And it has been. And I love it. And I don't make any money from it right now. Like, like I just do volunteer work for my death work because that's just where it is right now. And that is where society is at with it. <laughs> And that's okay. I am able to, you know, I'm really glad that I'm still writing books. I have other things. And I, because of my abundance of time, I am able to dedicate time to just freely give death work services. And someday, hopefully it will pay the bills. But right now I'm just happy that I can serve in that way. You're passing on your abundance of experience in dealing with death outside of you and within you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One thing about death is I feel like it does teach us about life and what life is for, mm-hmm. what we're meant to do with it. And I know you do energy work as well for the living. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. The energy work was everything's connected. That came out of my spiritual experiences around death because the experiences I was having is uh, the loved ones that were, were, tr- 
transitioning were coming to me in like visitations uh, to have me help them cross over. And it came so naturally to me. I was just like, at first I ignored it. At first I was like, I don't know. (laughs) And then I also wanted to just be like, I'm just making this up. This isn't really happening. But then it kept happening. So I went to my mentor at the time and I was just like, this is happening. This is what I did. It came really naturally. I just helped them transition by moving the energy in this way. And she was just like, yes, yes, you can um, come mentor under me now and we can start doing energy work together. So that was how that started. I see the death work and the energy work as very much intertwined because death work is it's such an energetic process. There's so much happening on an energetic level. And because I also just, that's how I experience my spiritual practices through feeling and sensing and manipulating energy. So they really wove together nicely. Um, And that is a part of my regular practice. Now I work with clients one-on-one for the intuitive mentorship and the energy work. And it's very much rooted. My mentor apprenticed under a shamanic practitioner who taught in traditional ways. There was no money exchange. There was no money exchange between my mentor and I. It was an exchange of energy of, you know, I would bring gifts to her and then there would be exchange of teachings and trainings. Um, So it was a really beautiful thing to be a part of that, that sort of lineage of, of healers and to be trained in that very traditional way. So that's sort of how that came about. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love how it's just bringing back like money isn't everything. Like you don't need money to achieve your dreams and goals even. Like that just kind of came about that that's how it worked out, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, but you're right. It's so funny because I did not think that the money piece would be a theme for our conversation today. So I sort of love that it is because it's reminding me how powerful that is and how much I've come is in my relationship with money and abundance. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a big universal theme that maybe a lot of people don't think they're ready for, but they wish they could be ready for too, mm-hmm. to like let go of that needing to like clutch and cling on to this concept that maybe isn't necessarily a hundred percent serving us in ways that like trading and, being of service because you want to be of service mm-hmm. <laughs> might actually be more beneficial in some ways. Yeah. And I also just want to touch on the fact that it wasn't overnight. I mean, I have made money mistakes. Like none of this happened overnight. And I also, I'm a white cishet lady. Like I have a lot of privilege that also like in ways made it easier for me to make this transition. So that's important for me to just name that too. But I just don't ever want to sound like, oh yeah, one day I cared about money. And then the next day I was like, I'm just abundant in time, but I'm still taken care of. Like, no, there was a lot, there were a lot of peaks and valleys through that journey. (laughs) So I just want to be very real about those two things. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I do feel like when we have money troubles, it is helping us let go of that though. And I think that's something a lot of us can 
uh, we can unite on mm-hmm. that feeling, especially with the pandemic and everything that money just isn't what it used to be also. Yeah. So even just hearing this hopefully would help somebody just like loosen their grip a little bit on that needing to be the measure of your worth Yeah, because there's so much more to you that's worthy just because you exist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know for me and my experience, like when I listened to those like really deep intuitive nudges that were sometimes the scariest ones to listen to that I like pathways would just open. And it's not, not in a way that like spirit is like dangling a carrot in front of my head. It's just like, Oh, there's this other path and it doesn't have to be me like forcing it. It can be more easeful Like I've just been in so much of my previous iteration of my business was forcing things to happen, forcing myself to produce, to be, you know, constantly sharing. And I've just been like in a much more receptive place of just allowing. And um, that's been really nice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's hard too. It's like you're jumping off a cliff and you hope you're going to land somewhere good. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I've described it many times. How does that? I'm like, I feel like jumping off a cliff. (laughs) Yeah. And then you're like, whoa, I have wings. Yeah. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I have your astrology chart up and there are a couple of things I wanted to point out on there that I just think are really interesting Um, Not only just because you're interesting, but for like the shifts that you've been going through Mm -hmm. and different parts of your chart that have been activated in like a different way now. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what I would have said about these things five years ago, but first of all, just to lay the groundwork, your Aquarius sun, Cancer moon, Sagittarius rising. I talked a lot more about that in episode three, but, and that explains kind of like you wanting to be on the cutting edge of how the world is changing with the Aquarius and with activism and paying attention to being respectful to equal rights and things like that. And then your cancer moon going back to your ancestral lineage and being rooted and grounded and finding your sense of security from within too. Like these are all kind of things that tie into that. But what I really want to look at is your 10th house. (laughs) So in your 10th house, you have three planets in Scorpio and the 10th house is your public image. So it's really what you're meant to be known for. And it's the impact you're meant to make on the world. One of those planets is Pluto. And then you have Mars and Saturn. So the Pluto part of it, Pluto is often what we try to hide from, but you have it in a very visible part of your chart where you spread transformation. And then Mars has to do with our energy and motivation, and you have it aligned with Saturn. So that means that one of your biggest challenges is regulating your energy flow and others. (laughs) (laughs) And it's cool because you were doing that before with jewelry and jewelry is like a form of transformation because you take objects and you transform them into something we can wear and use. And that affects your energy, especially with crystals and things like that. But you're just taking it to a deeper level, a deeper, more transformational level. And Scorpio does have to do with death and dying as well and rebirth Mm -hmm. on the other side of that. So I thought that was cool. 
I know. I love that. When I did a session with you to look at my chart, because I did a session with you when I was like in the heart of all of this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just need somebody to tell me I'm not losing my mind. And I was losing my mind, but in the best way possible. But this was so helpful for me when you were like, oh, Pluto's in your 10th house. And I was like, oh, this makes so much sense now. (laughs) It just never made the connection. And I'm like, okay. It does show too, like you're meant to show those creepy corners of yourself. I call it the creepy crawlies with Pluto. <laughs> like they come out and you're like, wait, no, don't show people that I have like cockroaches in all my cabinets. <laughs> but it's like the shadow part of yourself. It is meant to be seen and shown as well. And people will learn from witnessing that and be inspired about their own shadows and looking at them and transforming them too. So and one other point I want to look at, and then we can move on, but it has to do with the next episode I'm going to share uh, about a new asteroid I've been working with called Cheriklo. And Cheriklo is the feminine counterpart to Chiron. So it has to do with shamanic healing, but it's more the feminine version of that. So Cheriklo in mythology is Chiron's wife. And on your chart, Cheriklo is how you spin grace. So it's how you bring grace into the world and to yourself. And for Cassie, it's in Taurus and the fifth house of fun and creativity. So you bring grace to the world through the things that you create, like the tools and resources, like your books and decks and things like that. And before it was your jewelry, it brings grace into the world, this like feminine comfort. She's also a doula, a death doula and a birth doula. Ah, I love that. And so we all have it somewhere on our chart, but for you, that like birthing of grace comes from your creations and creating what you wish existed in the world. I love that. I love that. I didn't know about chair clothes, so I'm excited. I'll have to research, research her a bit more. Yeah. Or listen to the next episode. (laughs) Yes, I will do that as well. (laughs) I'll go much more into her because I'm sure a lot of people will be like, oh my gosh, I need to know. (laughs) So I want to talk about how you have another book coming out, Mm -hmm. but it's not until next year, fall 2024, called Craft Your Own Magic with Hay House. So please tell us about that. That's so exciting. Yeah, I'd love to because it's certainly like, I mean, my first, my five book series that came out within the last three years, this is totally different. So it's almost like all of the transformations I've gone through in the last five, six years, like it's sort of the book that's come out of all of that. Um, My other books, though, I love them. You should go buy them. They're great. They're very much me sharing information that's already been written about just in my own flavor. And my book, Craft Your Own Magic, is about sort of the underbelly of how I have created my own magical practice and invitations for others to do the same, specifically for people who are on stolen land and not living on the land where they came from. Because for me, those two factors held hold so much nuance in uh in my practice and i feel as though that they're not addressed in a lot of 
texts and places. So I really wanted to address sort of how I navigated connecting with my ancestry when, you know, sometimes as a European American, if I try to go back to my ancestry and practice their ways, I'll be accused of cultural appropriating them. And if I'm practicing here, rightfully so, I'll be accused of, you know, I'm not going to take practices from the indigenous people here. That is not my place either. So where does that leave me? Oh, I have to create my own practice. And, and not in a way that's not informed by my ancestry. My practice is deeply informed by my ancestry and my lineage. But it's also informed by the land that I'm on, which is stolen land. And therefore, my practice requires a very unique process to connect with the land because I want to connect in a way that's an integrity so I can connect and make repair while also forming relationships with the land that I'm on and also honoring my ancestry and my lineage. And there's a lot there. Obviously, that's why it's an, I've written an entire book about it, because it's a very um, tender and nuanced topic. And it, it's it's sort of the, the roadmap that I've sort of teased out that I've gone through throughout my entire spiritual practice. I mean, I've just gone through every, you know, I've been on this journey since I was a little one. So just sort of recounting and sharing practices and tools of how how to form something that is powerful, that is uniquely yours, that is unshakable, because that's something that I really needed because I kept having, you know, these things happen where I, my practice would get shaken up because somebody would say, well, you can't take that for me. And now my practice is unshakable because it's mine. And it's deeply rooted to the land I'm on. It's deeply rooted to my ancestors. It's deeply rooted to my spiritual connection with my guides and my allies. It's unshakable. And um, I feel a real thirst, a real hunger, especially from folks who are on stolen land, navigating magical and spiritual practices to, to have that unshakable practice that's theirs. So I'm really excited about it. I'm actually in my final, my my home stretch. I'm in the my submission date for the final text is in just a few weeks. So I'm just doing all the, you know, going through it, making sure it's all just how I want it. And yeah, so it feels especially tender and present right now because I'm in that final stage of writing it. But I'm simultaneously feeling that excitement about talking about it more and bringing it to the world and sharing about what I've been sitting with for like the last year. I feel the power. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. And of course, living in Hawaii too, these are things I'm definitely thinking about. And I think so many of us, we do, we do care about this, but we don't know where to start and we feel shame around that. Absolutely. So this will be a good step in the right direction for sure. And I'm really excited to read it myself and learn from it. Yay. I'm excited to talk about it. I've been very quiet on social media and my blog and everywhere. And I'm just spirit. My message that I keep getting over and over again for my guides is stay close to the ground. It is not time yet. So I'm trying. I'm just like, okay, okay. (laughs) I am listening. I am listening. But I, I am also feeling that excitement to start talking about it. So it's fun to 
dip a toe in it and be able to share a little bit about it here. Yeah. Little teaser. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's very Scorpio too. It's like keeping secrets. Yeah. It builds the power of it too. (laughs) I like that. I like that perspective. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes when we share something that's really close to our heart, when it's in the beginning stages, we can let other people's opinions come in and it can hinder the work. So absolutely. I feel you on that too. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Oh my gosh. We talked about so many juicy (laughs) things today. I love it. I know. I knew we would. I was so excited to do this. It feels so full circle. Like (laughs) maybe in another five years, I'll be like, you know, we'll both be in totally (laughs) different areas again. But can, (laughs) yep, the sky's the limit. The evolution continues. Mm Oh, thank you so much for being my guest today and coming back on the show. I really hope it gives other people listening courage to allow themselves to change and grow in their calling too yes. and let it unravel it. even if it's scary and hard. <laughs> like that's normal if it's terrifying. So we can normalize that a little bit too. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you need uh, you know, somebody to stand by you while you do it, I do have my one-on-one sessions and I see those transformations are very, they're very energetic things. So it comes up in the Mm -hmm. energy work. It comes up in the intuitive mentorship. It's all connected. So I'll just throw that out there too. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes shifting the energy, well, often it shifts the circumstances as well in a big way. And it really can be that easy as going straight to your energy. Yeah. I feel like it brings... I think of it as like when I work with people, a lot of times it's almost like we sift through and we bring to the surface what needs to be seen, what needs to be felt, what needs to be experienced. Like it just sort of brings things up to the surface gently for you to be like, ah, I thought that was there. Now I know it's there. (laughs) Yeah. And now it can't have power over me anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, If you'd like to learn more about Cassie, you can find her work and her offerings at CassieYule.com. That's CassieUHL.com. She also has her own podcast and you can find a free guided meditation to connect with your guides when you subscribe to her email list. And I'll have the direct link to all of the things, all the things in the show notes. For all of the links mentioned throughout this episode, visit soulshineastrology.com slash episode 137. For more information on how to use astrology to find your cosmic calling and sign up for astrology email updates, check out soulshineastrology.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review for The Cosmic Calling to help other cool people like us find the show. The Cosmic Calling community is a gathering place for listeners of the show to connect more deeply with fellow like-minded spiritual seekers. Join us for astrology classes, monthly forecasts, cosmic planning tools, plus bonus features for these podcast episodes by going to soulshineastrology.com community. 